0: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. I'm Austin, but we have finally, finally kicked Colin to the curb, at least for one week. So I am uh, very blessed to be joined here tonight by Mike Bainbridge, um, Mr. CFF himself. Mike, how are you doing tonight, man?
1: Very well. Thank you for having me on here. Um, Of course. Hopefully I uh, can step into Colin's shoes there. You, you know,
0: it, depending on how much positive feedback, we might just have to try to make this permanent. I know you said before the show you don't love to do so many pods, but we, we can talk. We'll we'll, we'll talk uh, further down the line here. Right,
1: let's
0: do it. Uh, um, so just for people that, you know, that might not necessarily be uh, familiar with your work, Mike, what all do you have going on right now?
1: Yeah. Um, so this season, uh, I joined up with uh, Joe DeSalvo at the CFF site. Um Uh, We just, in early May, published our yearly fantasy guide, Uh, so that's out for for purchase now. Um, We added a couple tiers this year for some new content that we're bringing to the table. Uh, We added the CFF site Discord server, Um, already over 130 uh, members at this point, just constant chatter on college fantasy football. Um, It's going to be rampant during the season with everybody asking questions and, and posting uh, news from Twitter and such. Um, so that is definitely worth the price of admission right there. Um, we have our statistical player projections that are available. Uh, we'll have uh, DFS write-ups for every single slate uh, during the college football season. Um, and then a little bit of a lull here at the end of June, you know, it's just some transfer news, but not a lot going on right now. Um, This is the time where we hang out with our wives and girlfriends (laughs) um, before it really starts ramping up. But uh, we'll have some content schedule analysis coming out. Um, I'll do a conference by conference preview with some names to know for each team uh, in college football. And then I know upcoming here, we're going to have another June best ball draft, uh, which will have a a reaction show afterwards. That'll feature Joe, um, friend of your site, uh, Nate Marquise. Um, Andrew Katz will be on there and then Chris K. So, um, that'll be upcoming here in the next week or so. So we have a lot to to throw at our, our subscribers.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, guys, I can't recommend it enough. I'm a member over there. Uh, my first year subscribing and the, I've already used the draft, the, the guide so many times in like round 40 of drafts that I'm doing, uh, really, really helping me fill in some gaps here in C2C stuff. So very much worth it um discord's great too. have a lot of fun um talking with guys over there um and mike you're always very accessible in there which i which i uh
1: yeah I, so. I don't know if it's the age difference between me and joe <laughs> but uh yeah i you will probably see me in the discord chat room
0: more than joe
1: like right. always accessible
0: we are the same way you know uh felix and and um uh alfred are probably the, the older guys in our group and they like lose themselves in the discord way too often like they just can't they can't navigate and everything. So yes, I, I a hundred percent get that. Uh, Felix will listen to this tomorrow and he will text me and say, yes, I, I do get lost. So yeah, yeah, I'll probably
1: get some, I hate text. <laughs> from Joe here, but oh
0: well. Uh, all right. So, um, so let's start, talk, start talking some fantasy football here, some college fantasy, um, cause you are way more well-versed in this stuff. So just really happy to have you on here to give us uh, some insight from that angle. Um, we have a couple of news items. We've covered both of them on the show before, but again, you know, C2C angle just would like to talk to someone from a pure CFF uh, side of things that's been doing this for a long time. Uh, first one with Eric Gilbert, the transfer to Georgia, you know, that whole saga that, that went on over the last four to six months, really, at this point, um, he, you know, he's now going to, to, to Georgia. He's listed as a wide receiver on the depth chart. Fantrack still has him as a tight end, though. So just for pure college fantasy purposes, what are you doing with Eric Gilbert here?
1: Uh, we, I, I, I haven't checked it in a little bit, but we may need to update. We, his statistical projections right now on the site are concrete. We, fixed, we adjusted that following the news. So we have Gilbert projected right around 38 catches and five touchdowns currently. Good for tight end production, undraftable for wide receiver production. So it'll be dependent on what Fantrax eventually does. Since he's listed as wide receiver currently, I do expect that designation to change. I'm not sure the precedent of what um, Fantrax has done previously, but I do know that in some leagues, the the commissioners of the leagues will um, follow what the school website has. And as you know, um, he's currently listed as a wide receiver. So I wouldn't be surprised to see fan tracks update their system uh, to make him a wide receiver. Maybe they make him dual, uh, give him a dual designation of wide receiver and tight end, which that could lead to um, a decision by your, uh, your league commissioner as to what, what designation he will have. And I assume that, um, Most will – are the determining factor, I guess, if there's a disagreement in leagues, is that you follow what the school website has, and that'll be wide receiver. So if he is listed as wide receiver, undraftable, in our opinion.
0: And, you know, you said, uh, you know, 35 catches, 5 touchdowns. Where – is that a uh, you know a twelve man league? Is that that's a startable tight end every week though, right? Like that, I mean, okay. that's a guy that you want to want to rock with. How early in like a CFF redraft would you consider taking him if he keeps that tight end designation?
1: If he keeps the tight ends, we had him, and I, I personally feel that that thirty eight reception, five touchdown would have been his floor um, okay. in terms of production. I feel like he could have just from the terms of way how Georgia might have used him. Probably not strictly a wide receiver. I assume they probably would have moved him all over the place, a la kind of Kyle Pitts last year. Um, so I believe that would have been his floor. But we had him top ten in the rankings when he, if he's a tight end, um, maybe between ten and fifteen would have been a safe um, like average of where you could draft him. But um, he would have been close to a top ten tight end for us.
0: And does that kill Darnell Washington then for you? Like, is that is that dream over?
1: Darnell Washington was never on our radar. Even if, even if Gilbert sticks at wide receiver, Darnell Washington's not on our radar in terms of okay.
0: Awesome, there you go. Because I know, I mean, a lot of the Debbie community is very high on him. You know, uh, big guy, big athlete. Um, Sure, uh, not uber productive for though. Yes,
1: no, they, you know, and they have a lot of options at wide receiver. Todd Monkin's system isn't, doesn't ha- he, he utilized the tight end more um, in his time at the NFL, but he doesn't have a long string of, of historical success, success producing relevant tight ends. So uh, yeah, Darnell Washington was not on our radar um, even before this move. Awesome. Awesome. Um, cool. So the other, <clears throat> the other news item
0: here that we had uh, just to toss out real quick, um, Lance Leopold leaving Buffalo, uh, heading down to Kansas um after all the turmoil that they had there with coach and ad and and all that good stuff um people are i mean i guess i mean everyone really liked kevin marks coming into the year you know they, we saw what <clears throat> he and uh jared patterson did last year in that offense figured that he was going to probably smash this year um but leopold's gone and like half the offensive line is either graduated or followed leopold down to kansas now um so i think there's there's two guys maybe that that this impacts, we'll start, I guess, with Kevin Marks. How how much does this hurt Kevin Marks, if at all, um, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, we downgraded him following the move of Leipold to Kansas. Um, when we downgraded his projection, and we, we kind of looked at it side by side with their new uh, offensive coordinator, um, Shane Montgomery. Um, he runs a run heavy system. I think he averaged right around 210 carries and 11 touchdowns for his RB1 um, over his last seven years between multiple stops at multiple colleges. But, um, you know, the turnover at offensive line, I think was more uh, of a concern for us. I think they lost, I think one starter transferred to, to Kansas. They lost um, a freshman, I think, or a, maybe a second year freshman to kansas as well via the portal um they do bring back two starters on the offensive line buffalo does but they were two elite starters i think they were all mac performers and um that's a position that leipold did recruit well at his time in buffalo so it's a concern there um but just kind of the the historical um production that we've seen from their new oc shane Shane montgomery um, we, we downgraded marks a bit, but um, still a top 10, between top 10 and 12 um, running back for us.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then uh, conversely, you know, the guy on the other side of that equation is presumably Devin Neal, uh, freshman running back there at Kansas that we all love. I think it seems like almost everybody loves him. Um, does this boost him for you? Um this year, and then if not this year, like beyond this year? I mean, does it move the needle that much uh, for
1: 2021? Yeah, it doesn't move the needle much for this year, for me, in my opinion. Um, Kansas brings back five starters along the offensive line, good on the surface, but they were also ranked one of the worst offensive lines in the entire country, Um, 125th in line yards, which is awful, so the offensive line isn't getting – much of a push there um so they did bring over a couple of transfers that should help um i don't necessarily think that it's it's going to be immediate production right um i changed my tune with that a little bit um i looked back at leipold's first year um at buffalo and he uh, between his top two backs at buffalo in that first year he was there they combined for over 1,600 yards uh, and 15 touchdowns. Good production if you settle on one guy. Now, is it one guy? Maybe they split with Belton Gardner to start. I mean, that will happen with the first year back like Devin Neal. Um, so I don't think he's necessarily on the radar for this year in CFF. Going forward, um, I do like him quite a bit. He's going to be a priority Um draft pick and dynasty formats. Um, I The only concern is how quickly does that offensive line in particular uh, coalesce to, to become a unit that can really produce a, a, a relevant fantasy running back. I Leipold's known as a program builder. He's done it at Buffalo, obviously, but it might be a different story. at Kansas at a P5 school, which, and I think you and I can both agree, that is a complete overhaul that is a two to three year rebuild at least
0: yeah yeah you're gutting that house and and building it up from the studs really yeah um so you know uh, c2c freshman supplemental drafts cff dynasty freshman supplemental drafts a little different how early are you taking him in like a cff dynasty like if you have an established league and he's eligible for draft this year uh amongst like the running backs that would be available to you? Where are you taking him in that crew?
1: Um, Like I said, I probably not in the first tier or two, just because I think it could potentially be a longer rebuild than you want. And if it is, then you're looking at maybe one year of production, like legitimate fantasy production in year three, maybe. Um, But if, if I ends up building that up um, quicker than, than some may anticipate. Um, Then he could hit in year two, I believe, and then you get two years at least, uh, if not more, of of massive fantasy production like what we saw at Buffalo. So um, probably not in that first tier, and I think it depends on your dynasty needs. You know, maybe you're targeting wide receivers early or something like that, but um, kind of in that second tier of running backs in dynasty.
0: So what you're saying is we should be interested in the next guy
1: that commits there. (laughs) <laughs> Assuming yeah. that you
0: know Kansas isn't cursed for forever.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that was my initial thought, honestly, when this first happened. Was you know, Devin Neal's a great player. I love the the recruiting uh, prowess of you know he was recruited by Les Miles, right? I believe so. I mean, I trust Les Miles in his recruiting. You know, I I glass in terms of scouting running backs, um, and so I I was initially thinking, hey, maybe. Maybe it's that next guy, like you mentioned, after Neil. But um, I think you can get at least two years of good production out of Neil. So I've kind of flipped the script there on on my opinion.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, Perfect. So, you know, we're not going to go any further on those news items. We've, Like I said, we've talked about both of those uh, previously on the show. Uh, But what we really want to get into here, yeah, is just kind of pick your brain um, about a wide variety of topics here. Um, The first one... Um, was actually one that that you suggested to me when I reached out and said, "Hey, you know, do uh, you want to come on the show?" You said, "Sure." I said, "Do you have anything that you want to talk about in specific, uh, in particular?" And you said, "You just did a um, uh, a show for the CFF site uh, recapping a best ball draft uh, that you did with a bunch of uh, big names, um, including
1: uh, Kyle Francis, from Kyle Francis. Yep. Um, and, and Eric Froton. Yeah, yep. yeah. who who else was in there? Were there was there anybody else that was?"
0: Uh, that was, yeah, Kyle Francis, Eric Proton, and then um, uh, Joe. Joe, yeah, okay, cool. Um, and so uh, you guys were kind of talking about, you know, just general strat, draft strategy this year, guys you like, guys you don't like what you did through this draft. And then Kyle dropped a bombshell on the group. Um, uh, he he said that I, – I, I probably should just clip the direct quote here, but I did not. But he said that he is a little lower – on Bijan, you know, through the first couple of rounds of a draft, then it seems like consensus is. You guys have him, if I am looking at this right, as your RB3. Is that, do I have that correct in, in your?
1: Yeah. Run? So, we, yeah, in our guide, we wanted to give different vantage points, um, of different sets of rankings. So Joe has one. Um, I have a, a set, and then we have a, a consensus set. So okay. um, Joe maybe has them at three where I have them at two. So I think he settled at three in the consensus.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So either way, I mean, tier one, top tier back, uh, right. Kyle, Kyle's pumping the brakes a little bit. Um, so why is he wrong? And why should we be in on B. John Robinson this year? Who is it for people listening? Like I, I just love B.
1: John Robinson
0: with with all, every fiber of my being.
1: It's not to say that like, Kyle hates the player. Everybody loves Bijan. We all see the talent, right? Um, where I got a little feisty, and I, I, you know, restrained myself because we had to keep the show moving, um, and we probably could have talked about that for the whole hour, um, but I guess where I got a little feisty was just kind of uh, the narrow lens at which he talked about um, Bijan, um, only referencing... That people have him highly ranked because of what Najee Harris did at Alabama, um, and you look at the long-standing history of running backs under Sark. I mean, he even talked about it that you know he wants to instill a mentality in his offense of handing the ball off to his his starting running back twenty times a game. Like that's what his offenses do. And you just look back over the last 12 years that it at his stops at Washington, at USC. I mean, you have names like Chris Polk, Bishop Sankey, Javorius Allen, uh, Justin Davis, and Najee Harris, right? Elite production from those guys. I think in his eight years as a college head coach, every single one of his running back ones had a 1,000 yard season. Like, this is, we have a long history of evidence here that his running back one is going to be productive i do understand some of the there's two i guess two arguments here one the offensive line i don't believe had a great showing in the uh, texas spring game they graded out okay last year they do return four starters some of them might get replaced but th- that means they have high or elite prospects behind them i think at center and left tackle that they have guys that got um, a good amount of experience late last year that could step into starting role. So I I think it's a little immediate on that reaction to the to the spring game of how the offensive line played. And don't forget that they were missing if one or multiple starters in that those final two games last year. And we saw what Bijan did especially in that bowl game against Colorado, right? 180 some yards and on 10 carries. So um, offensive line, not too much of a concern for me. Um, there is also concern about the depth that they have. Roshan Johnson, they added Keelan Robinson, which I was reading a little bit. Keelan Robinson might play in the slot. Um, they were saying
0: that at Bama too. I mean, he lined yeah. up there some of the spring game and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm,
1: I, that doesn't really concern me. And if you, if you want to use the the depth as an argument, well, they might be running it more than usual because I don't have a ton of faith right now. I know the in the passing game, I know everybody wants to talk Casey Thompson and Hudson Card and, and all that, but um, I'm not as confident in the Texas passing game. I don't think they have a legitimate wide receiver one. I know it's Jordan Whittington right now, but he's going to stub a toe and miss half the season. Um, so I'm not really confident in the Texas passing game. I think that bodes well for a positive game script for Bijan early um, in the season uh, when they're trying to break in those new pieces uh, at quarterback. So, yeah, I'm I can understand the argument of not wanting to draft Bajan in the as a top two running back. I guess if you don't want to spend that draft capital, especially in a year like this where uh, we have incredible depth. At the running back position, um, but I don't see an argument really as to how you can not have Bijan as a top five, top three running back.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about Keelan Robinson because I, 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 I've been hearing the same thing. You know, they're, they're talking about they can kind of move him all over the place, um, <clears throat> but I, I do wonder if that eats into his receiving work, even a little bit. But I don't, I don't know how much they want to pull Bijan off the field to be honest. You know, I, I think they want to keep him out there as much as they possibly
1: can. I mean, that would be the smart decision, right? I mean, if Texas is, and we talked about this, you know, last year at Nauseam with Tom Herman, like, oh, he, Tom Herman would have a job right now if he fed Bijan Robinson 20 times a game. So um, I'm not as concerned with Keelan Robinson dipping in too much to to the workload. I think he can probably split time in between, you know, in the backfield, maybe in the slot. but. I mean, we can go down the list of top ten running backs and look at the backfield, and we can we can make arguments for every team for the most part having depth. You know, best players play, and that's Bijan.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I have I have high hopes for him this year. Um, so I, I want to see a probably not this year. I want to see a Heisman season out of him. You know, maybe junior but year.
1: I, I, I have a perfect. couple. Uh, I have a couple betting slips uh, on Bijan winning the Heisman this year. Oh, there so go. there we hero. go. There we go. <laughs> oh, uh, solid odds on that or? Oh yeah. The plus, uh, boy, you're, you're testing my memory right now, but yes, it's <laughs> definitely, you know, I mean, we know it's quarterback heavy with, with Heisman trophy winners, but um the odds make it a decent bet there. I think in my opinion,
0: love it. Love it. Um, So, you know, talking about the depth there kind of just leads us right into our next, uh our, our next talking point here, I guess, right. I, I had asked you if there are any wide receiver running back rooms, That you're kind of just entirely avoiding this year, and I think there can be a variety of reasons for that. You know, everyone can just be going too early. You don't want you don't want to try to guess who's who. Um, Everyone isn't as good as you know. It's it's not as good a situation as people want to make it. I mean, there's there's a lot of different reasons why you know you could be avoiding um, a room for one reason or the other here. Um, But I'm really interested to hear what you say about some of these. Um, So the first one you put down is Ohio State wide receivers. Um, So I think this. take it away and let's just talk a little bit about, about this group. Cause I think talent wise, we love all these guys. Right. Um, but, uh, but maybe, you know, the situation isn't as great as, as some want to make it.
1: So that was actually my first bullet point in my notes is that talent wise. Yes, of course, these guys are uber talented. Right. And this is not me, the Michigan fan here, you know, <laughs> missing Ohio state. Right. Um, But this, and this argument that I'm about to lay out, I guess, applies more to college fantasy football strictly than maybe C2C, because of course these uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have NFL futures, right? So they're going to be really good producers in college, plus they have NFL futures. Those, I, you know, I'm not a C2C expert, but I believe those are the exact types of players that you want to target in a C2C format, right? In terms of college fantasy, um, it's it's an argument of my like my ranking versus kind of their value, their ADP, right? And so I currently have Garrett Wilson ranked as my 22nd wide receiver and Chris Olave as my 23rd, where respectively they're being drafted as wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 14. For one. Last year, these guys dominated the target share, right? They had 60% of the target share um, for Ohio State. Do I think that minimizes the production that both of them have, that each have a 30% target share for Ohio State? I do. Secondly, I think a lot of people love Jackson Smith and Jigba. I assume you do as well, Austin. Um,
0: He was my my wide receiver one in last year's class, like coming out as high schoolers. Yeah, Yeah. I, I, I really, really like his
1: talent. Yeah, I saw a tweet today, um, uh, somebody, uh, Ohio State fan that said they preferred um, Njigba over uh, his talent over Olave and Garrett Wilson. So you're telling me that he's not going to be a factor in their passing game this year. I just don't see a 60% target share for, for Olave and Wilson again this year. And then not, not to mention the freshman, freshman, right, which I assume you guys love as well with uh, Harrison Jr. and and all, all, all the rest that are going to factor into the equation. So those numbers combined with now you have CJ Stroud or, you know, some others, maybe like Kyle McCord. I, I know somebody on your site does, but um, regardless, you're having a first year starter at Ohio State, right? So it, it's you're not going to get production that you had last year with a first year starter at quarterback. So kind of for those reasons, it's just a, it's just an argument of my ranking versus value. And I will just, if they fall to me in that maybe fourth to fifth round range more than happy to bet on players in the Ohio state system. But when they're going in the second, third round, I think um, just kind of the target share between the two, I think they kind of minimize the, the, the upside that each of them have. So, I'll let them pass in my drafts.
0: Um, are you interested in taking JSN as a late flyer then? Or where, where does he go in ADP? I'm not even actually that familiar with, does he get drafted at all? I mean,
1: um, I don't have it up right now um, in standard redrafts. He's not getting drafted probably for that fact that that's last year, how much of that market share was geared towards Wilson and Olave that, that you didn't really have anybody else producing fantasy relevant numbers. Sure. Sure.
0: Um, yeah, no, I mean, so, and then this is, a, this is a, like I'm asking you a total opinion question here. Do you suspect that they run the ball a little more than they have the past couple of years um, to kind of ease in, like you talked about that first year starter? Do you, I, I, I personally think that that's likely, but you might have a different opinion
1: on that. No, I agree. Um, I think probably you could say... Eh. I don't want to even forecast that just because, you know, we haven't really seen CJ Stroud in a game, but I know if you look at the numbers, I think uh, JT Barrett a couple of years ago, and you would agree better, better runner, probably than passer. Um, Yeah. He only had 371 passing attempts. I think that season, which is far lower than, than what Justin Fields was doing. So I do tend to agree with you that combined with Master Teague and Trayvon Henderson, maybe Myron Williams with Stroud, that it'll be more uh, run-based, I guess, than than what we saw with Justin Fields. Yeah.
0: Poor Evan Pryor. Can't even get tossed in there with Mayan Williams. <laughs> I, I, I don't blame you. I, mean, I don't know why some of these guys are good. Where do they go? Um, but, yeah, I try not
1: to dive too deep into the Ohio State uh, roster, I guess you could say, being a Michigan fan. So um, that's <laughs> not even somebody on my radar.
0: <laughs> He's no Donovan Edwards, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, if we want to get into that discussion later, we can. I'm more than happy to have that. Hey, one. if you want to talk Conovan Edwards, uh, I, I will welcome that. Um, uh, he's the running back three for Michigan. That's all I'll say right now. Interesting. Okay. Okay.
0: Where? So this is totally uh, – uh, do you project like Quorum decently this year? Or not really? You think it's yeah. all um,
1: – Yeah, it's interesting because he was the one getting a lot of hype coming out of spring camp. Um, I know elsewhere, some people are of the opinion that it was Donovan Edwards and the, the reports coming out of camp was Donovan Edwards was definitely, um, you know, he wasn't out of place during practice, which is absolutely what you want to hear with a freshman in spring practice, is that he does not look out of place. He is going to be in that running back rotation, but as we've seen under Harbaugh, it is always a rotation. And so maybe that changes and talent eventually wins out um, later in the year. But um, if you're telling me to draft a Michigan running back right now, as much as I really dislike him, I would probably go with Asan Haskins. Um, You're telling me that early season schedule of non-conference opponents um, where Michigan feasibly should win. Who's gonna get the running? Or who's gonna get the rushing touchdowns early on? It's going to be Hassan Haskins. All three are going to be involved, but I would trust Hassan Haskins getting um, the majority of the work at least to start the season. So, if if I'm drafting in a redraft, that's the guy who I'm going to target, not a running back three in a all but likely committee.
0: Awesome, awesome. I lo- I'd love to to hear that insight. Um, speaking of crowded running back rooms, Oklahoma. Another one here. Um, everyone loves Eric Gray. Um, you, I'm assuming you probably like you. You probably love him too, just not at current price.
1: It's the exact same argument as the uh, Ohio State wide receivers love Eric Gray. I think he's a perfect fit in this offense, both from a rushing and receiving standpoint. But you can't tell me that they are just going to kick a former 1,000 yard running back in Kennedy Brooks to the curb. Like they're both going to be in, involved in the in the ground game. Um, the only Samaj P Ryan was the only 200 plus carry back in the last seven years for Oklahoma. And I just, barring injury, I don't think Eric Ray's gonna gonna get that volume that would make him worth the. Let's see, running back 13 in current ADP. I just don't think he he'll receive that volume to to reach that height. I have him at running back 21. Again, love the player, love the fit in the Oklahoma offense. We know they're going to score a boatload of points, but I would preferably wait on on Eric Gray.
0: Are you? Um, uh, Trey Bradford just announced that he's, or I don't even know if he announced it. I just saw people saying that, like you, like Oklahoma students saying that he's that he's there on campus, like he's he's going to school there. I think
1: um, they looked in the student directory and okay. copied yeah. the screenshot.
0: Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen any announcements, um, which is surprising with how much stuff these kids announced. Um, Are you buying Trey Bradford as the guy after Gray or is like in like a dynasty league or not? You're not entirely
1: sure on that. Uh, I would buy him. Yes. I, I I would imagine that Trey Bradford's probably on most dynasty, like uh, current dynasty rosters. Um, So you probably can't nab him off of waivers. Um, Eric Gray, most likely gone after this year, Kennedy Brooks gone after this year. So I, it would be what Marcus Majors and and a couple of incoming freshman running backs coming in. I haven't looked at those running backs. I know you have, but um, I would bet currently on Trey Bradford being the starter next year. Which, you know, RB one in for Oklahoma is always going to be valuable. Are you pretty low on Marcus Major then? Um, I to be honest, I don't have a, a firm opinion on that. I would just I would project. Most likely, Trey Badford to be the starter.
0: Yeah, he he does seem like more of what they've had there recently um, than Major perhaps does. Um, This next one you put down really surprised me, so I'm really interested to talk a little bit about this um, because I've been finding myself in mocks and irregular drafts just Cole Turner everywhere, and I feel like I have to take him like one round earlier each time I do this because (laughs) people know that I'm coming for him. And so, like you know, what I was doing in like the 13th round a couple months ago is like crept up to like the ninth. Um uh, not not sure how much higher i ca- I can go on him. Um, but are you you're avoiding him, and then you put tight end as a whole as well. So I think there's there's a bigger discussion we're probably about to have here on this. Uh,
1: well, I would avoid him because of the tight end position as a whole. I mean, I think just looking at it, I have around thirty tight ends that are probably draftable in in a, in a CFF redraft this year, which really speaks to the depth at the position. Love the top 10 even as a whole. I think that's, um there's some elite fantasy prospects in that in that top group, which is why I would pass on Cole Turner. Nothing to do with the player again, um, but I just, if he's going, I, I was looking today at the fan tracks ADP. He's going on av- like 18 spots above the next tight end, which is Charlie Kohler. And if you're telling me that I have to go up one and a half, two rounds to get Cole Turner over, you know, the next best tight end, which I have Cole Turner as tight end two. So that I am more than fine with passing on him, getting my tight end one, Greg Dulcich, um, which he's going on average, maybe three rounds later than, than Cole Turner. So um, I, you know, we've spoken about the, how muddy the, the the pass catching room for Nevada could be with this year with Elijah Cooks returning. You know, you got Romeo Dubs. Uh, you got Melcon Stovall. Torrey Horton I love as a dynasty prospect. Mm. I'll mention him later. Um, they added Marquis Spiker. I believe that's his name from Washington. So you have numerous pass catchers. You don't have a long standing history of tight end production in this Nevada system. So it's kind of tough to project – you know, a repeatable performance. So while I do have him as the, the the tight end too, I'm more than happy just letting him go to some other team and, and drafting still an elite tight end. If it's Greg Dulcich or John Dykes, uh, Weidemeyer, any of those guys, more than comfortable with having them.
0: I, I am surprised. I haven't really looked at the CFF ADP that Dulcich is going after Kohler. Um, just because I think Dulcich is a little more explosive—is that just because Kohler has done it for a couple of years, whereas Dulcich is a bit more? You know, he did well last year in a, a shortened schedule, but he's a little more projection. Is that is that contributing to that? You think?
1: Yeah, I do. I think just Charlie Kohler's done it over a longer span of time, and I think you saw more consistency with Kohler last year. You know, he was getting consistent seven and eight targets a game, whereas Dulcich's his production kind of varied a little bit more. And I would say that's the argument for. Uh Dulcich versus Cole Turner, where Cole Turner, I think, uh, hit eight fantasy points per game in every single game that he played. Great. That's what you want of the tight end position. But um I love Dulcich this year. I think he's a similar-ish athlete to Cole Turner. You know, he could he might split out to wide receiver. I think he's that good of an athlete. Um Chip Kelly loves to throw to his tight ends. Uh, they don't, UCLA doesn't have anybody outside of Dulcich and kyle phillips wasteland right so those guys are going to get the heavy volume that's why i love Dulcich as my tight end one this year
0: probably feel a little bit better about brock purdy versus uh dtr as a passer too
1: huh uh i mean i have dtr ranked higher than brock purdy so well that, that he gives you a rushing floor though right he does yeah i would agree um that, I don't know. I like DTR's passing. I think he's more than proficient enough. I mean, I, I would, if I had to argue the two, would I take um, Purdy as the better passer? Sure, but I think DTR is more than sufficient enough as a passer to to help uh, Dalitich and and the rest of those pass catchers there.
0: Yeah, especially with the you know a big body guy probably helps DTR uh, out a little more than maybe a, a technician uh, perhaps might. Um, but uh, I, I'm not a big. I, i recognize that he's a rushing guy. I, I can't get behind him as like a legitimate, like NFL anything. Um, but that's not what we're talking about here. So elite, elite college prayers. players. Yeah, yep. exactly. 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 Um, a lot of those guys this year, in my opinion. Um, so the last one here, uh, Ohio running backs. Um, and I am very interested to hear what you say, because I would be lying if I said I knew anything about Ohio running backs outside of Tuggle. But you said, sorry, Tugboat here on the thing. So now now I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this.
1: He is an elite fantasy team name. You could either go with uh, Tugboat, could go Rub and Tuggle. I love Rub and Tuggle. (laughs) Personal favorite for a fantasy team name. Um, But it's, it's, again, similar situation with with just cost. I'm not willing to spend um, – he's going on average running back 22. I'm just not willing to go up to that – um, to get him if he falls, of course, he had some elite games last year. Um, but we all know that was against central Michigan, Akron and Bowling Green. So hard to put a ton of stock into that. Um, if you extrapolated his carries from last year out over a 12 game span, it would have been 212 rushing attempts for Tuggle. Great. But that would have been an outlier for Ohio running back ones. I think we had one instance in the last seven years of a running back meeting, 200 carries. Um, they have decent depth in the backfield. Um, Julian Ross is coming back. Uh, O'Shawn Allison, um, he rushed for 800 yards in 2019, right? Um, and then they have uh, backup QB Armani Rogers um, who got some red zone work last year. Um, and I think he stole a couple of uh, rushing touchdowns. So you do have a lot of guys in that backfield where um, if you look back historically, I don't think it's just going to be tuggle. And he's going to uh, face a, uh, a tougher schedule this year. I think they get uh, Louisiana, uh, Syracuse, and Northwestern in the non-conference. So I think in that, in that first four-game span, we'll see kind of how – tuggle will play out
0: so i'm in a uh, an auction startup right now and i'm holding tuggle on the highest bid i should let somebody beat me on him is that what you're saying it's not a
1: very expensive play. bid but unless you want the 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 great fantasy team name then but that nothing. is worth something that is it worth something really so. is worth something but yeah <laughs> i would i would let him i would let him slide and not not use too much of your budget
0: Man, I am so glad that you're here tonight. Here, let me drop some other names that I'm sitting on right now. And you can, uh, no, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, perfect. So our the next uh, topic I kind of threw at you here, some CFF Dynasty stashes. Um, and you have a, a really awesome list here. Um, I'm with you on a lot of these names. A couple of them I actually not really very familiar with. So I am interested to talk about some of those as well. Uh, first one on your list here LSU wide receivers. You've got the two that I prefer listed here and Chris Hilton and Deion Smith. Um, there, guys you're figuring probably aren't producing much this year, but looking forward are, are probably going to be some big names for fantasy purposes.
1: Correct. Uh, I think Deion Smith probably has the better, better chance of the two to produce this year. And I believe. Others might have an opinion that Chris Hilton has a higher upside. Um, I do like both. Um, I remember an article on the athletic where they ranked the LSU wide receivers and who had the best shot at becoming the wide receiver two for LSU. And they had Deion Smith listed fourth with the fourth best odds um, ahead of some of the the upperclassmen they have there. Um, so I think Deion Smith has the best chance to see the field immediately. It was a little disappointing that he was uh, injured or, not, you know, nicked up a little bit this spring. Um, but both should be, I believe, healthy for the – or Smith should be healthy for the fall. Hilton will be around in summer camps. Um, so really excited to see what both of those uh, players can contribute maybe this year and then moving forward.
0: Is Boutte the only guy that you're interested in there for this year? I mean, he's just like a, a, a vacuum when it comes to targets. Like I thought they would die down a little bit. And then the spring game, it was, it was even, it was even more than it was last year. So I, I have done a complete, I, I was pumping the brakes a little bit. Now I'm just like, I'll drive that car off the cliff. I don't care. Let's go
1: for it. I think it depends on, um, well, I think it depends on obviously who wins wide receiver two job, but I think this new offense um, the the offensive coordinator is escaping me right now, but the new offense, I know he learned under Joe Brady um, or came from Joe Brady uh, during his time with the Carolina Panthers. But um, if it rivals what that Brady offense did look like in 2019, we will have two, if not three fantasy relevant uh, wide receivers who that is. I'm not sure. Um, I, Project Coy Moore to have the second most receptions, but I believe he averaged under what, nine yards uh, nine yards of reception last year, so I don't think he has a ton of um, upside to kind of stretch the field and get those touchdowns that you really want. Um, Jerry Jenkins, I believe, will start outside as well, so he would be those would be the two that I project um, to kind of be in that starting lineup. I would love to see Deion Smith because I'm really high on him, but. Um, We'll see there. I think they might roll with the veterans. But um, if this if this LSU offense does rival anything of what we've seen um, back in 2019, there will be a set at least a second guy. Um, Probably lean Jerry Jenkins, um, even though I said that Moore would have the the, um, second highest amount of receptions just because of that field stretching ability and and the ability to get touchdowns. But um, we could see two or three guys in that offense.
0: Yeah, I, Smith reminds me a lot of Terrace Marshall coming out of high school. I like that comparison. Very, very similar players. You know, they don't really know how to play wide receiver that well, but uh, you know, you can see the the player is there. He's gotta, you Good. know, yeah, squint a little bit. And, and so, I, I I am excited to see what what both of those guys do. Really, uh, poor Brian Thomas, who never gets talked about at all amongst these things. I think that he's going to get. Schooled. Watch that guy be the
1: highest producer of the
0: three. Uh, that's the talent goes sometimes. <laughs> um so next one on your list here henry parish the running back at old miss um i don't feel very strongly about jerry on ely so i'm very interested i mean i know like he's going to produce this year but like i i don't love him like a lot of people love him so i am interested to hear what you say about henry parish
1: sure um just from a dynasty perspective well start with the redraft uh, or for this season looking in particular, I, I I agree with you on Ely. I think it's going to be a three-headed backfield. Um, I think they're going to pass at a boatload under uh, Jeff Levy. Um, so I, I'm more than comfortable letting Jerry and Ely pass in uh, any drafts. Uh, when it comes to Parrish, uh, I did nab him in a recent Dynasty startup. I actually traded up for him. Um, and the reason being a little bit of forecasting on my part um, I would suspect. I'm not sure if you agree that Ely's probably gone after this season. Um, I would
0: assume. I think most are working under that that assumption.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what's, I would. He should probably stick with football. I would. I would assume. But um, you know, he has that baseball background, so I would. I suspect he will be gone. I'm not that high on Snoop Connor. He's. You saw his uh, yards per carry drop. I think almost two yards from. 2019, Um, Parrish did start to get a little bit of a workload uh, towards the end of the year. He had double-digit carries in the last two games. Uh, And then, again, more forecasting on my part, I believe Jeff Levy to be one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. I expect him to get a head coaching job at some point. I'm surprised he didn't get the UCF job uh, where he came from, Um, but I suspect he will have a job. Um, as a head coach in the very near future, and so if you're down on Snoop Connor, you think Ely's going to be gone. I believe Parrish can get that RB one job um, as immediately as next year, and then if, for example, uh, um, uh, Levy leaves, uh, maybe we see Lane Kiffin revert back to um, the style of offense that he had at Florida Atlantic. Where you had Devin Singletary getting 250 plus 300 carries. Okay, so is there any guarantee that any of this happens? No, of course. But I think that's the type of upside dynasty pick that I like to 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 kind of go up and, and grab.
0: So you said you moved up for him. How high did you have to go? Because there were not. To, I'm not like arguing against you. I, I there's a lot of ifs. Sure. In in that, you know, scenario. So how, how high did you go to to snag a guy like that?
1: (laughs) This was, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I think we were into the the round 30, maybe. Okay. Um, So I take, for example, it was a a 30th round pick. I think I traded my next 31st round pick and a 12th round pick in the following year in 2022. So not a high price for me to go up and grab somebody that I, I, can see the path to, to path to prominence, as you would say, um, next year for, for Parrish. Awesome. Um, Baron Morton,
0: Texas Tech, highly rated recruit. You know, you like seeing those guys uh, go in uh, to a school that seemingly had opportunity and Texas Tech looked like it did until they brought Tyler Shuck in here. Um, so that's probably pushed off for, a year at, at least. Um, but you're buying Morton as a guy that 2022 or beyond you think takes that job.
1: If these early NFL mock drafts are accurate, then Tyler Shuck is a top 10 pick next year. Whether you and I agree, disagree on that most likely disagree. Right. Um, you know, if, if he succeeds this year, he will most likely be a first round draft pick next year. Um, so, if you get a guy, I'm not confident in the other players that Texas Tech currently has on the roster. So, if Shuck leaves for the NFL after one year, you got a guy in Morton who I really liked on tape. Um, you can hear the read the reports on him. Very accurate with the football. Um, not overly strong arm strength, but you know he 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 can he's got some good uh, velocity to it. Um, he can move around kind of similar to Shuck a little bit um, I like the move to, they're moving more to an air raid system under the new offensive coordinator, Sonny Cumbie. So, um, you know, if, if shock moves on, you get a, a two to three year starter in Morton in a uh, quote unquote, air raid offense for, for two to three years. So that's a guy that I will target and you can get him fairly late. I think I got him late 20th round or maybe early thirties in uh, a recent dynasty startup. So, um, that's somebody that I like to to kind of stash away for 2022.
0: I have such a bad taste in my mouth that they let my poor man Bowman just get crushed there for years. It makes me so sad.
1: Um, and now he's going to be the and now he's with Michigan. And now he's on Michigan. He's, yeah, I'm not sure to be honest, not to go in a totally different direction here, but just real quick, I'm not sure what's going to happen with, Alan Bowman at, at Michigan, you know, he's not on camp. He'll arrive on campus this summer, but um, for better or worse, Cade McNamara, most likely worse. Cade McNamara <laughs> seems to have a stranglehold on that job right now. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, it was that was a weird transfer, uh, I thought, when I saw it at the time. A um, couple names here in a row that you have that I really like. Uh, Caleb Hood, North Carolina. Uh the lower-rated guy of the duo coming in this year, uh, but Kamara Edmonds stayed and played his final his final year of high school here in the spring, like the, the COVID year. And Hood was on campus and looked good in the spring game. Um, so realistically, with Ty Chandler there this year, you know Henderson. Um, um, it's is it it's Brooks there, right? There's Britton Brown and British Brooks, and that should be illegal Brooks. for British there to be two running backs with those two names in college at the same exact time. Weird. But.
1: Britton Colby, we could add Britton Colby too. I know he's a wide receiver, but
0: a lot so, of Britton. Uh, yeah, uh, so I'll, I mean, but a lot of guys in that backfield. So you're thinking Caleb Hood uh, has a chance to push for that? Uh, the, probably not this year, but the following year.
1: Um, I think he could push for the running back two job as early as this year. Um, okay. I was sent a recent podcast. I'm not sure what um, what site it was on. I don't recall, but I was. Uh, somebody sent me a recent podcast that they were discussing the North Carolina backfield. Now I do believe that Ty Chandler has that RB one job um, locked up right now, but they were talking about the backup job and the guys were really hyping up hood saying that he could as early as probably the second half of, of this year could really push for that Javante Williams, like kind of bruising role in the, in the, in the backfield. Cause we know Ty Chandler isn't that and, you know, we, we saw there's a highlight video. I believe you saw probably of uh, Caleb hood running some dude over in, in, in spring spring ball and dude's got AJ Dillon type tree trunks for legs. And um, so, you know, the, the, they were talking about how the coaches were really, they were surprised on his um, how quickly he picked up the running back position because he played quarterback, I believe in in high school. So um they were really pleased with with, with his uh, how quickly he transitioned to the position. Um, you know, who knows what happens with uh, DJ Jones or or Josh Henderson. I'm I i have not really done a deep dive on either player, but um, if Caleb Hood ends up as that running back two job, you're looking at again two to three years of potentially elite production um, in the backfield. Um, even if he somehow wins that that running back one or running back two job this year. Um, If you look at the seven-year average uh, for uh, running back two under Phil Longo, you're getting 121 carries, 763 yards, and six touchdowns. That is a dynasty prospect that you want to target where you can get multiple years of production and could potentially produce in that first year. That's an elite dynasty play.
0: Yeah, I think Colin and I talked about that recently. That Edmonds deciding to stay, and I don't know, like maybe he wasn't even eligible to graduate. You know, we—I never know what goes on with a lot of these things in the background. But his decision to stay, um, if it was a, you know, a conscious decision, I think it's going to really end up hurting him in the long run. Uh, with how good Hood looked uh, reportedly, and then in that spring game that I that I caught a little bit of, I was mostly there to watch Drake May, and then you know, got caught up in watching you know, watching a little bit of him. But um, yeah, I, I I'm a little hesitant on Edmonds now. I was a little higher on
1: him a couple months ago. Yeah. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any, you know, study data or anything like that, but I do just, you know, for my own personal beliefs, I do tend to favor the, the early enrollees is what I, what I look for. Get on campus as soon as possible.
0: And you and Colin would be best friends. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's always preaching the early enrollee. Um, No, I'm with you on that. hundred percent. Jaden Bray a super deep name, I was intrigued by him in like October because he looks like what Oklahoma State's primary receiver usually looks like, you know, that lanky, athletic, probably more of a jump ball, deep threat kind of guy has traditionally been there with, with Gundy, you know, as the head coach. Um, and then, lo and behold, he goes out in the spring, has a couple touchdowns. It uh, looks pretty darn good. They're saying that he is going to compete for some snaps this year. Um, So again, probably like a guy, probably a year too early. You know, Brennan Presley, the complete antithesis of a normal Oklahoma State guy, but figures to be the number one there. But you think Bray can catch on there uh, sooner rather than later?
1: Yeah, uh, kind of steering away from the Jaden Bray topic, but that's kind of why we we had so much it was a struggle to project Brennan Presley. Love the player. Absolutely love the player. But in Mike Gundy's system, it is always, and you alluded to it, it's always those guys on the outside that are typically the wide receiver one in that system. So, um, you know, we have Presley as the wide receiver one for this year. Uh, I think we used the baseline of what uh, Josh Stewart, who was a slot receiver back in 2012 or 2013 for his projection. Um but in terms of Bray, absolutely love the player, um, you know, what he did in the spring game uh, kind of fits that deep thread of what you see from a, a prototypical Oklahoma State wide receiver one. Not a fan at all of Tay Martin, not a fan at all of Brayden Johnson. Um, you see, I've seen some projected depth. Tay Martin seems to be the the solidified in his role as the wider, uh, one of the outside receivers for this year. Um, I think I saw one projected depth chart with where Brayden Johnson wasn't, he was in the uh, second line of the two deep. Um, So one of one, if not more of those outside spots are going to be up for grabs, whether Bray gets it this year or not, you know, TBD, but um, you know, that's somebody that uh, you could see starting in his second year um, and, and possibly become an elite fantasy producer.
0: Um, It's like a total, like, 30 second question possibly. How do you feel about the QB situation there over the next couple of years? Spencer Sanders, the guy this year and then do we trust Illingworth or is there something else going to happen there?
1: Uh, It's tough for me to talk about. I have an irrational love for Spencer Sanders. I made a massive mistake last year in projecting him to be a top 10 quarterback uh, in CFF, which obviously didn't turn out that way. Um, I figured if Taylor Cornelius can be a top five fantasy producer with a balding head, then Spencer Sanders could surely do so. Um, Didn't turn out that way. Uh, I do like Spencer Sanders this year. He's going, you know, relatively late, if not undrafted. Um, We've seen obviously potential of Oklahoma state quarterbacks putting up monster seasons. I like the way he closed last year. Um, I have shares of both players. I just, you know, it's, it's a smart decision to have some, some shares of Oklahoma state quarterbacks. So,
0: yeah. Um, so your next guy here on the list is John Stribling. I think I said that right. Is how you say his name at Washington state. Um, I am a huge Jaden Delara guy. So, um, and you, you really, buddy. yeah. So I, uh, you know, let's, let's, you know, I think he's going to produce, let's see what his weapons do. You're buying. Stribling is one of those guys over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. Um, again, over the next couple of years, kind of like Jaden Bray, um, I do like when a uh, early enrollee like Stribling is popping up on the two deep. Right, he is in the conversation to start uh, at one of the, the outside spots at Washington State. Um, the um, the run and shoot system uh, under Nick Rolovich it usually almost always flows through the slot receivers. So that's a slight knock on Stribling. Um, the slot receivers are typically the high volume guys in the run and shoot. Um, but you're telling me that a a true freshman early enrollee is in the mix to start at one of the four spots um, in a a typically high powered uh, run and shoot system. That's a, again, type of dynasty prospect that I want to buy. And he is, I think he went undrafted in our, in our dynasty startup. So you are getting him at minimal price.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, Nevada. This is a trio that I find myself drafting late in a lot of leagues. Um, and someone's been giving me crap about it for the past week or two. Um, specifically my my love uh, for Clay Millen, uh, who's just thick,
1: you know, dirt cheap right now.
0: Um, but you're but you're buying big on Millen and then you, you talked a little bit about Horton earlier and then Spiker as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have to assume that Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs and Elijah Cooks, uh, probably Cole Turner after this year, all gone. So you just see a path to playing time. You want, you get a four-star, I believe he was a four-star recruits, formerly of Arizona. Um, I think he showed out well in the spring. Um, So he's got a clear path to starting in 2022. Love Torrey Horton. I think he could be in time as talented as any of the guys that are going to start for Nevada this year. He had a solid close to last year. They brought in Spiker from Washington. Uh, you're looking at a potentially elite uh, wide receiving core for Nevada again, and then you get a, a, I don't know, an upstart quarterback in, in Millen. Um, we'll see. I, I think we both expect Nevada to be successful this year. Um, we'll see if the head coach sticks around. I tend to think or lean that he will. Um, so uh, you get you know these, this trio and an air raid offense. You, you like the prospects moving forward.
0: Yeah, I I, um, I just have a league where I just took all three of them. I was drafting at the turn, and I already had Horton, and I just went and Millen, and Spiker. I was like, let's just sew this all up. I'll worry about figuring out who's who later. Um, but yeah, I, I really like projecting those guys
1: forward. Did you say Millen is going late on your end?
0: Oh, it's so late. So I just took him in the fortieth round or like thirty eighth round or something in the draft. Um, I'm in an auction now. It was a two thousand uh, dollar startup budget. I got him for twenty five bucks. Like it's just a it, it very, very minimal minimal cost for a lot of upside and you don't have to wait that long. I mean Strong's gone after this year, right okay. I mean, unless because if something awful happens then you know maybe he's not starting regardless, but if something good happens then you know he's on his way so
1: and I wonder it just I'm, I'm out of curiosity. I wonder why he's going so late. Is it just because it's Nevada and it doesn't get a lot of I guess pub you know to people I assume mostly targets, Uh, P5 schools, but I mean, we see how highly thought of uh, Carson Strong is. And now you got a four-star recruit at Nevada, possibly stepping into his place. I kind of dumbfounded as to why Millen would be slipping in in drafts.
0: I I think um, this is a little bit of speculation, but I just, I think what I see a lot of people getting into the C2C space or more Debbie background than CFF background and I just don't think necessarily the uh, you know cast data the net that they cast is not quite as big for some of the CFF names. Um, and I, to be honest, like I wasn't like I knew who Millen was, but that you guys were talking him up in the Discord a couple weeks ago, which made me feel better about you know something going on there after Strong and those guys are gone. So there you go, guys. Another go join the Discord. You're, you learn so much while you're in there. Uh, so uh, y- your last two names here, I don't know these names at all. I'll be completely honest. So uh, I'm about to learn uh, something new here along with everybody listening to this here later. Uh, Jalon Armstead or Jalen, uh, is Jalon, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's San Diego State. Um, tell me a little bit about him.
1: Um, another guy who's just going you know, basically free. I, wanted, I got him very late in, in a recent... Dynasty startup. Um, The the eligibility for you know every school is I'm still a little hazy on some of the eligibility with players um, just due to COVID and some schools listing players as as um, you know what they were last year or or some are listing their eligibility as what they are this year. But when looking at San Diego State, top four running backs this year: Chance Bell, Greg Bell. Uh, Jordan Berg, Bird and Kagan Williams, all listed as seniors. We always want to target the running back one for San Diego State. If those guys are all gone next year, that is a clear path to playing time for Jalen Armstead. Uh, he was getting hyped up by the coaches this spring as seeing possible playing time this year, which is promising considering I just listed all four names ahead of him on the depth chart that could could get playing time this year. Um probably not seeing Donnell Pumphrey or Rashad Penny type volume anymore with this uh, Brady Hoke as the head coach. There's still going to be a run heavy offense. You know, they're trying to be a little bit more versatile using some RPOs and and pass a little bit more, you know, they don't have the quarterbacks to do that, but um, there's still going to be a run heavy offense. So if those four guys graduate after this year, again, clear path to playing time for, for Armstead um, and, you know, just savvy, savvy move, in CFF always is to nab the San Diego state running back one or have, or have the next guy up on your dynasty roster. So um, another guy that's basically free at this point, That we'll see what happens in in 2022.
0: I love it. I I really like Greg Bell for this year, but uh, do you think it's a fairly split backfield overall, or you think he's going to get the, you know, large majority of touches?
1: Large majority. I mean, when he was healthy last year, he received 20 carries a game. Um, like I said, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna see a 300 carry back like we saw from San Diego State in the past. But 200 carries is the expectation from us for Greg Bell, clear cut running back one. There, we do like him this year.
0: Awesome. And then the last guy you have here, Javon Wilson, who's a running back at uh, UNLV, um, transfer kid, right? Or he was originally committed to Oregon. Um, I don't
1: even know if he ever played there. Either committed or he was on Oregon, but yeah, okay. he followed. He followed uh, um, He followed one of his coaches to UNLV. I forget. Marcus Arroyo, I think was the defensive coordinator at Oregon and then now head coach of UNLV. So he followed him there. Gotcha. But But you're, you're buying him though. Yeah. Just, it's a similar uh, argument to Armstead. Um, You know, he's 220 pounds. um, And with the Charles Williams being a senior ahead of him on the, on the roster, a guy that's going to graduate after this year, Charles Williams averaged 19 carries a game uh, last season. So if you get that type of volume uh, for a guy uh, with the, you know, guy coming from Oregon at UNLV, if you can see 19 carries a game from the guy that's going to start in 2022, that's a guy again. You're going to get cheap. It sounds like a broken record, but you're going to get him basically undrafted in 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 any redraft or dynasty or dynasty startup. So um, that's a guy that you can get for free.
0: Yeah, those one year out guys at, at programs that traditionally produce something, you know, like the, you know, figuring out who the the wide receiver one is going to be at Arkansas State or you know at Baylor typically, or you know, some if you can find a guy you know you think's going to be the, a year out, that, I think that's usually a, a a nice winning move there.
1: I don't think that's you know unless Arroyo kills it at UNLV, I don't think he's going to over recruit an Oregon transfer think, you know, they're probably not going to bring that level of, of talent to UNLV. So a guy I like to step into a starting role in, in, in 2022.
0: That's a great point. Um, so last little bit here, uh, three names here, one at each position. I asked you one guy at each position that you don't want to leave drafts without, I'm oh, sorry. You actually put two names down for each. Um, I find myself with a lot of five of these guys and the sixth guy I, I'm interested to hear you talk about, but quarterback, uh, you have my guy, Brendan Armstrong. Uh, so I'm very, I'm very thankful to hear uh, you talk a little bit about some Brendan Armstrong here. Um, why do you love him so much uh, for 2021 here?
1: Uh, volume, volume, and more volume. Um, average 30 pass attempts per game last year, or last year and 14 rushing attempts. That is CFF gold mine right there. Um, I think or all but one game last year he recorded 23 fantasy points and i think the one game where he didn't record that he got injured um he had five 30 point performances he had he he had one 40 point performances but you have eight or nine games that he played you get five 30 point uh performances like that's that's cff gold and Um, probably a better CFF candidate than, than C2C candidate. Obviously we think he would help um, on the the campus side of things, but probably not a, uh, probably not an NFL prospect, unless he takes the Taysom Hill route maybe and converts to a different position, but
0: um, he'll be an elite
1: producer um, at the, at the uh, CFF level at quarterback. And um, we, in my projections early on, he came out as a top four quarterback. We landed a little bit lower on him in the rankings, but he's on average quarterback 12 in ADP right now, far too low in our opinion. So somebody that I'm really trying to get in every draft.
0: I am uh, I, I'm Mr. Zero QB this offseason when it comes to drafts, um, and he is probably my favorite target to take late. Um just because, yeah, I mean, I love the upside that UVA, they're not going to be a good team this year. They're going to have to pass a ton. Um, so I, I and, and he's got a, some rushing upside, you know, so you really can't ask for for that much more.
1: Positive I, game I, strips I, if they're not going to be good. Um, yeah. There's nothing not to like except for maybe the injuries. Um, you know, I think he got banged up in that one game where, where he had negative fantasy points. Um, not having Lavelle Davis at wide receiver probably hurts a little bit, but um i do like their weapons um that they bring back um you know they got a really good tight end from oklahoma state and jelani woods 6-7 so he can replace some of that you know red zone production that davis provides um i've seen folks talking dontavius or dontavian wicks i believe on on your discord um, as somebody that mm-hmm. they like for for virginia um Bill, billy kemp is back so uh, their yeah. their weapons will be just fine for Armstrong even without Labelle Davis.
0: Yeah, um, and then you also put Phil and so I've heard his name pronounced a bunch of different ways, and you guys were were pronouncing it way differently than I do on your the CFF uh, chat the other day. So that's what So I've been saying Jerkovic. but I that's, heard someone over there. That's
1: what I thought initially.
0: Froton uh, said Jerkovic. That's he said that. And I was like, who was he talking about? It took me like a, like a minute to be like, Oh, okay. Okay. He said Boston college. And then I, I caught on. Um, so however you say it, but but you're not leaving dress without him either.
1: No, he's just going to, you know, and you know, I kind of did a second glance in my rankings. I really feel like I'm going to bump him up um, soon, but I have him in, uh, between 28 and 29 quarterbacks. Um his, ADP is quarterback 35. Um, so I do think he's a better value than the ADP, but I will probably end up moving him up. Um, decent runner, uh, average 34 passing attempts, which is pretty good volume from a quarterback. I really think that Boston college is going to throw it more than usual this year. Um, I'm not a fan of anybody really in the backfield. Not that's, I like the pieces in the backfield, but you got Travis Levy. Uh, they added Alex Sinkfield from from West Virginia. Um, I know some folks are high on the the true freshman that they brought in, Xavier Coleman, but these aren't these aren't like AJ Dillon, David Bailey type backs. They're scat backs, they're receiving backs, um, which would really help Dracovic in the passing game. So um, I do think that they'll throw it a little bit more. Um Elite receiving core was Zay Flowers. They get back Kobe White, CJ Lewis is around. Um, They added a really talented transfer at tight end so he could step into where uh, Hunter Long was in last year. So um, elite pass catchers. And uh, the schedule really breaks well for him. They get Colgate, UMass, and Temple in the first three. Uh, And then they close out in your playoff schedule with Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Wake Forest, which nobody's scared of there. So um, you start off well, and you're going to close well in the playoffs there. So definitely a guy that I'm targeting.
0: That is an awesome tidbit um, there about the schedule. That does break very, very well uh, there for him. Um, Running backs, um, Jerome Ford. Ah, I just love Jerome Ford. So I'm excited that we're going to talk about him here tonight. Um, I... I get why he didn't play as much last year. Uh, you know, they, they rolled with dokes, but man, he's just so much more exciting than dokes. He really, really is. Um, and now that he's going to get that volume wheels up for Jerome Ford, you apparently think so as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, he's got the size, what, 212, 215 pounds. He's got the size to, to shoulder the workload. Um, I do think we're going to see a little bit of regression from Desmond Ritter in his rushing stats this year. Uh, he had 12 rushing touchdowns last year. That's a slight outlier from what we've seen in the past. Uh, so I do like Ford to kind of scoop up some of those totals. They don't have a uh, 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 Yeah. I mean, they have a backup in Charles McClellan, but you know, he's not somebody that I'm worried about stealing carries from Jerome Ford. So I really think we can see a a Michael Warren type season with, you know, 250 near carries um, do some work in the receiving game. So uh, they lost two starters on the offensive line, but all reports seem to feel that they're confident in the replacements. So um, they should be fine up front, but yeah, I really like Jerome Ford. He's, he's in, the, in the 10 to 15 range um, in ADP. I have him at 11. So it's just a guy that I'm confident in his talent. And, uh, you know, we've seen it in the past where Cincinnati running backs are, 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 are fantasy gold. So, yeah.
0: And that, you know, that, that performance in the Georgia game, you know, I think really signaled. Uh, what is to come
1: Uh, you combine you combine that size at 215 pounds plus that speed that we saw in that long run against the georgia defenders i think just that combination he's going to be he's going to be a really good fantasy producer
0: yeah yeah um your other guy here is jalen mitchell um who i think you know we've talked a little bit on the show you know everyone really likes Travion cooley again a guy that did not play at all this spring So if you're taking Cooley early, I've I've been saying for a while here now, you take Mitchell later and, you know, it's like a reverse cuff almost where you take the starter later and then, you you know, you've you've probably got the starter there between the two of them.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a knock on Cooley per se, but, you know, all reports coming out of spring is Jalen Mitchell's the guy and, you know, we have evidence of him producing. We have that 168 yard rushing game in the, in the finale against, um, wake forest of, of him putting up a uh, good numbers. So you have evidence, um, that he's done it at the college level. Um, all reports are that he's the running back one starter. Uh, and then you just look at the system with Scott Satterfield. He had six straight 1000 yard running backs and it would have been seven last year. If Javian Hawkins didn't opt out. So you have a long string of historical data that that proves that you want to target the running back one in a Scott Satterfield offense. Uh, he's going running back 45 in ADP, so really late um, for what could be uh, a, a really good fantasy producer.
0: Do you think Hassan hall factor is in at all there this year, or is he kind of, you know, uh, you know, if, if something happens to Mitchell maybe, but otherwise, you know, probably not?
1: I think he's the the RB two. Um, you know, probably get four or five hundred yards here just because of how much Louisville runs the ball. I actually like Hassan Hall's talents. I think he's a, a pretty good back. Uh, he's got really good speed, in my opinion, and quickness. But um, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna take over Jalen Mitchell, in my opinion.
0: Nice. Okay. Um, wide receivers, um, Josh Downs one of my favorite receivers in last year's class. I knew he probably was not going to play much next year. I'm sure if we'd had this podcast last year, he would have been in the previous list we just talked about for guys, guys that we're looking at for the future. Um, But, you know, it's probably gonna be the slot guy in in a Phil Longo offense. You know, that that's a money uh, spot there for fantasy. And he's just extremely talented. Um, So, I I mean, I'm with you here, um, but Josh Downs, I, I love the kid.
1: Took the words right out of my mouth. It's it's the slot receiver in a Phil Longo offense is that you want to target. Seven year average, 72 receptions, uh 1,091 yards and eight touchdowns. To me, that is a top 10 lock. Um, I don't know if Fantrax data is off right now. I mean, I, I know it's got earlier drafts that have been completed, but he's going as wide receiver twenty-five. Wow. And that is really late. We have him solid top ten lock. Um, in our fantasy rankings, so um, you know they have a good wide receiving core. I think you know Coffrey Brown and and um, Bo Corralis. I think will be solid starters, and you know they have some other guys around, but not a dynamic kind of last year where you saw Daz Newsom's numbers in the slot take a slide because of the presence of Deami Brown. Um, so I don't think there's anybody in that receiving core room that will kind of kind of hurt uh, josh downs's production so really like him as a top 10 wide receiver for this year
0: a uh, a slight side question here for you how do you feel about kaffir brown do you Team have are, any strong feelings on him one way or the other because he's, he's probably going to line up where diami did Do you think bocorrales stays yeah. where he
1: was last year I, that's how i kind of see it playing out i believe and correct me if I'm wrong, but he was injured, I believe in the, the spring. He
0: got injured like two practices into it or something. They said he looked good before he got hurt, but you know, very, very good yeah.
1: So right. Yeah. Right now we have Corrales, I believe as the wide receiver too, just because, I mean, he's proven that he's capable at least in the past. Um, we see the higher upside with Brown, of course. So if we kind of get the, the indication during fall practices that Brown is looking good and healthy and, and, uh, future producer, we'll make that flip. But um, I think we have Corrales in the wide receiver two spot for now, but that will probably change as we get closer to the season.
0: Yeah. I, I think we see Brown or Downs goes top three rounds in C2C drafts uh, for the most part. Brown's been inching up here and then Corrales doesn't get drafted. Um, maybe he should, but I, I don't know how long he, you know, he, he uh, it, you know, is he relevant? Like, would you ever feel comfortable starting Bo Corrales really? Unless there were like a rash of injuries there?
1: No, um, it, it's, you're going to have, just because of Sam Howell in that offense, mm-hmm. you're going to have two guys that that are, are weekly fantasy producers. Our long-term bet is probably on Brown. Again, we have Corrales as the wide receiver two for now, but no, we would, we would bet on Coffrey Brown.
0: Okay. And then your last name here is another guy that I really, really like, um, that I think people are sleeping on, Jair Shorter, at uh, North Texas there, filling in for Mr. Uh, Jalen Darden, who's gone.
1: Yeah, they're going to play different positions. I mean, Shorter is going to be an outside guy. I'm a little nervous. I had him back in my rankings in February. I had him as a top 10 wide receiver. That's crept down a little bit in my rankings. I'm a little more skeptical now that they added Tommy Bush, the transfer from Georgia. Um, I still get indications that Shorter is going to be the wide receiver one. I mean, this is a guy that produced nine touchdowns as a redshirt freshman as the third option. So I see the talent. I don't have, I remember watching a random North Texas game last year and just the commentary. They spoke of Jair Shorter and, 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 they mentioned that the coaching staff really thinks highly of this player. Um, I'm not saying he's going to get Jalen Darden production, but I think you are guaranteed 10 touchdowns this year at least. Um, I'm not totally confident. You know, I've seen some mentions of, uh, of Deontay Simpson being the possible wide receiver one. He had like six drops on 40 targets last year. Not a huge fan of his. Um, you know, Tommy Bush hasn't done anything in his career to this point at Georgia. Maybe that changes um, in North Texas, but I think it's a pretty safe bet. Shorter is the wide receiver one. If they get the the quarterback situation fixed, I mean, they North Texas threw for 3,000 yards and 28 touchdowns with a bullshit rotation, right, uh, last year between Bean and Austin Oni. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think Shorter has, has – immense upside to, to be a, a, a fantasy producer and not going to say league winner kind of like Jalen Darden because I don't think he'll see the volume but a guy that's um, probably will have not only uh, relevance on the campus side but has an NFL future as well
0: yeah big athletic acrobatic kind of guy you know, not a bad thing to have, especially. You know, that's the same thing. It, I'm not saying he's Jalen Tolbert, but it's you know, Jalen Tolbert is gonna. He's just bigger and athletic and just smashes everybody plays against. Shorter can I, I think has the potential to do the same thing. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I think that's certainly in the range of outcomes there. Um, well, that's that's all we have. I think uh, I think we've gone through our list here. Um, I'm <laughs> <was a> <laughs> it, it, we covered a lot. Uh, hour twenty, um, but. But, you know, a ton of names there. Thank you so much for coming on, Mike. You know, you're a guy that I read everything you put out, just love uh, everything you're doing over at CFF site. Um, So, again, if you want to just tell the folks where they can find you and then we'll uh, get out of here.
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter, of course, like everybody else uh, at M Bainbridge CFF. You can subscribe uh, uh, to our site at the, the CFF site. Um, and you know, we have all the content that you need to, to succeed in your, in your college fantasy drafts this year. Yep.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for joining us, Mike. Um, for everybody else out there, just, uh, stay tuned for Canton bound. Colin is like I said, away this week. So I'm going to have another guest, uh, later on for that. Um, but until next time I am Austin, have a good week guys.